We should have more structure. Let's have more structured notes about it. <laughs> Seriously, I know. I mean, oh, I, you just no, want to riff, do you? I just said it. I just said that I want to riff, and now, now I'm paying the price for it. Here we go. So I get. I think what the what we're really saying here is that you and I need to go to Antarctica and work in a mess hall. <laughs> I'm dude, listen. I'm all in. And now's about to be the season because, oh no, let's see. That's the wrong poll. We don't want to go anytime soon. Okay. We need to read more about this. Uh, hi, everybody. It's No Show. Uh, I'm Matt Brown. I'm joined by Jeff Borman. Today, we are talking about the fall of the OTAs, the fall of online travel agencies. Some might listen to that and say, what? OTAs like Expedia, Hopper, Kayak, they're here to stay. They dominate. There's no way they're going anywhere. Well, we might be able to prove you wrong. Last episode, we talked about the rise of the OTAs, how the Expedia's of the world essentially came to prominence 20 years ago, even though a couple of them started before that. The hypercharged.com boom, 9-11, the fact that we had never had data aggregators available to consumers like that before. Uh, all these factors made it, you know, incredibly easy for um, the OTAs to come in and take this massive slice of booking pie from the actual hotels themselves. So instead of going to, you know, the Hilton site or the DoubleTree site, you are going to go to this online travel agent, this robot. Uh, they are going to find the best deal, force the best deal uh, for consumers. And for a long time, it was glorious. And you felt like you're really getting a deal. Nowadays, I'm not so sure. Supplier websites, that means the hotels themselves, like uh, hotelmattbrown.com, they book about 63% of online gross bookings. You figure, as I did before I started this, it's like, oh, well, Expedia probably controls what, like 70% of the market. No, the, the hotels themselves, they still control most of the online bookings. But Expedia and its ilk have changed how we book travel and how hotels make money. And and as I said earlier, not always in the, in the healthiest of the most transparent ways, but there's always a bigger fish, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Amazon, Apple, Google, and other apex predators of the digital world, they loom large as chaos agents in the travel industry. And we've been wondering, why haven't they moved into travel and hotels more aggressively? You know, Amazon is pretty naked in their desire to dominate everything from groceries to sports. We're trying to kind of figure out why has taken so long, even though there's Google Flights and you know, there's, there's all these kinds of little things around the edges. Why have the big, big players not come in to alter the landscape? So as we're talking about this, we're going to get into it first, though, a few stats on the current state of OTAs. Among all of them, Hopper was the fastest growing app in 2021. Hopper. It grew almost 500% from the previous year, and it overtook Airbnb in monthly active users. That growth is from new users. Hopper had 15 million downloads compared to 5.3 million downloads in 2020. That's staggering growth. Part of that is because they entered all these new features and they they brought in a price freeze. They brought in like a cancel for any reason uh, feature. Uh, They brought in a a flight disruption guarantee. So they, they, they went nuts on the features and I think it really paid off. I mean, it tripled their, their MAUs. But Expedia is no slouch in this. It was the second fastest growing travel app in 2021 and had 49% growth over the previous year, which is still 
incredibly impressive for any other app in the world. It's only in comparison to what Hopper was doing that that it, it that it's a distant second. So I think if you're listening to us and you've not heard of Hopper, that means you're over 25 years old. Let's not forget about the power of the illusion of choice. Where we talked last time about how big hotel brands grow, not by growing revenues at a hotel, so much as by growing the number of hotels in their system. For the first 10 years, OTAs grew that way too, but they achieved market saturation 10 years ago. They've been around for about 20, right? Uh, By the end of the aught, there wasn't a hotel in North America that wasn't for sale already on Expedia. So they couldn't keep expanding in that way. And so instead, they've grown their share of web bookings by consolidating other OTAs under their umbrella. I had no idea, as we were kind of talking about this earlier in the week, that Expedia Group, it turns out, it owns Expedia.com, Hotels.com, VRBO, Travago, Orbitz, Travelocity, Hotwire, among many, many others. And then its main competitor, Booking Holdings, it owns you know the flagship brand, Booking.com. It also owns Priceline, Goda, Kayak, Cheap Flights. They're all these services that you think, oh, they're competing against each other. But in reality, they are it's this matrix-like setup where you think that you're getting some deal someplace, but in reality, your money's all going back to the same pot. And, and you hit the big ones, the consumer brand names that people think of you. But they're also, they are the engine behind thousands of other sites, right? Visit NewOrleans.com, Travel.com. Pretty much they white label to any site that wants to have a hotel or a booking component on it. You know, the, the brown.com can't go out and necessarily replicate what Expedia has done to put 250,000 hotels globally and, you know, and aggregate all that inventory and present it to every consumer in the world in nanoseconds. You're probably not going to achieve that too quick, Matt, but you could have that power on your site by white labeling Expedia right into it. I mean, I think the average OTA shopper is by nature, not a frequent traveler. Right? People who travel a lot want their loyalty perks. So they tend to be more attracted to the brands where they get those big benefits of Bonvoy or Delta Sky Miles. So in many ways, then, the precise demographic plays perfectly into the advantage of OTA marketing, meaning these are generally less savvy travelers who don't realize what you just said, that by shopping on Priceline and then going to Booking and then going to Kayak and then going to Agoda, they think they've shopped around and they feel really good informed about their purchase, but they've really done it all under the exact same engine. I'm still debating you know, my fantasy hotel chain. Do I call it the brown.com or is that just too, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, I, it's grown on me. I'll give it that. Um, but yeah, last episode, we talked about the angst and tension that you very clearly said used to be real, but has subsided between uh, the OTAs and the hotels. Does all this kind of pretend saber rattling uh, between those two help other entrants exploit a space for themselves? You know, I think the problem is the saber rattling and the talk of going dark is nonsense, right? The saber rattling itself is the purpose. Hotels and OTAs need to act like they're tough and hard driving. But as we said in the last episode, they've already come to a peaceful coexistence. Every year, hotels compete against each other for billions of dollars in OTA bookings. And ultimately, none of the money that's really on the line belongs to the one negotiating it. So let's do an example. As always, we use a $100 a night stay at a hotel. 
Oh, wow. That still exists. Okay. <laughs> in theory, only in only theoretical hotel stay. Brands get paid about 5% of the hotel top line, right? And so the number varies for sure, but let's just go with five. And at a $100 hotel booking, let's just say at the end of the year, Hyatt would get about five bucks of that 100 that the hotel made. If the booking goes through an OTA that gets a 13% commission, Hyatt gets 5% on the $87, so $435. So they got a pretty good incentive, uh, if you figure, to get it to go back to that $5 at zero commission, right? But if Hyatt works their faces off to negotiate 12% instead of 13, the difference on that $100 reservation is $0.05. Cents. The risk is that they lose the booking entirely. And think of the asymmetry there. Are you going to risk $5 to make $0.05? Cents? And when you do millions of transactions, yes, the pennies add up, but the risk and reward that we just illustrated also increases proportionately. And so if you're looking at a big hotel chain, who's going to risk a billion dollars to maybe gain a million? The money on the table is not the owner money. And so what the brand really doesn't want to lose is that whole transaction. That's what threatens their revenue model, which is how they grow hotel counts is to keep hotels full. So hotel brands promote themselves to their customers, which are actually hotel owners. By projecting this image of tough talk and war rhetoric, while the OTAs like Kayak and Hopper, they disguise themselves to actual travelers by creating this illusion of customer choice, consumer choice. I love how conspiratorial all this is. I suppose this is why OTAs are yesterday's threat. Hotels need to be focused on Google, Amazon, that's the, the the storm that's coming. And if you're not preparing for that, you are not preparing for the future. Absolutely. The idea that the 700 pound gorilla is in the room is false. They're not in the room yet, right? Google, yeah, man, put a toe in there. Uh, and Amazon has only kind of sniffed it out, but neither has entered the space. And that's the big threat. Yeah. Prevailing view in the hotel industry, and a lot of executives say this at, at all these conferences that they go to, is that Amazon and Google are at heart data aggregation companies. That's what they do. And then they do it really, really well. And that massive amount of data they've collected about your shopping and work habits will make this digital tool, a scalpel really, that uses that data to curate choices for you versus dumping a hundred options on you. And that's what they're really going to do. They're going to give you five. The OTAs have those filters, certainly cost, location, star rating. This will take that to light speed and use AI to intuit the kinds of stays you want in the areas you want with the amenities you want. Your searches in a Google ecosystem, I'm sure as far as Google is concerned, will be faster, easier, more precise, and incredibly unlucky for the hotels that land outside of your uh, algorithm, even if they're great and they would provide you with a different welcome experience. And thus travel will turn into the same you know, consumer landscape, and it'll have the same kind of consumer issues that an entity like Netflix is running into hard. The algorithm knows so much about you that the entire content generation machine now approves and markets products and experiences that all have this numbing sameness in look and feel. And it's the complaint that I think Every Gen Xer probably has about the the uh, <laughs> Gen Xer and above has about the current media landscape is that I I have everything, but now I can't discover things the way that I used to be able to. 
Think about how opposite that is from the original proposition by an OTA to show an entire marketplace, right? When OTAs were emerging, it was, we'll give you everything. You don't have to go to Hilton and then high and then there and then on, 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 on. Just come to us. We'll show it all. And where we've gone and caught 25 years then to the biggest threat is the total opposite. Hey, Alexa, I need a hotel room next Tuesday in Houston. Would you like to stay at the Marriott again? Yes, please. And you're done. Right. And from a brand perspective, uh, you know, you and I've never really gotten deep into loyalty. We talk, we've nibbled at the fringes of how important the loyalty programs are. But then think about in that Amazon Alexa style example, when the AI picks up that I've only booked flights on American Airlines. And I say, I need to go from DFW to Charlotte next week. Thankfully, those are two American Airlines hubs that would probably come back American anyway. So it's probably a bad example. But once it learns that I only shop on American, all of a sudden, that version of technological advancement means I'll never even see a Southwest flight. For sure. All the data will support the fact that you fly American. Mm -hmm. So any counter argument to that would need uh, other data. Which is just not available. <laughs> so it will continually reinforce itself. And now, where I just went with two examples of, you know, give me a hotel in Houston, give me a flight from here to there. Both of those examples were somebody who was a frequent traveler. And so the AI knew where to take me, at least brand wise, where I've been and what I've done and repeat my pattern to what you just said, uh, where there is no competing data with that, that pattern or to that pattern. Now imagine you are the non-loyal traveler, the current OTA demographic that only travels a couple times a year, not loyal to any brand or place. And now I go, uh, yeah, I'd like to go to Costa Rica, Alexa. What are they going to show? Well, they're going to show precisely the ones that Amazon gets the most margin for selling. Okay. So let's get to the nut of it. Why hasn't Amazon moved into travel more? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. It doesn't make sense not to do it. The only thing I can think of is that the OTA market is so dominated, just like you went through at the beginning, right? By a couple players that cracking into those two, cracking Expedia, cracking booking, I don't know that it's a task they want to invest in. I, I, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, it makes no sense to me why Amazon has not gone into it. Google makes, that's, I mean, I assume that's the next question. Why hasn't Google gone in? And I think that makes a lot more sense, right? There's a, there's a logical answer, and that is that Google, biggest source of revenue is the OTAs. Expedia and Booking spend billions each on search every year, and they have for 20 years. So much so that as Google goes into every other vertical, every other commercial opportunity, if they were to cut off by going into the OTA mode, those two customers, they'll lose their biggest source of revenue to go do all their other fun projects. I, I don't think they want to compete with their own customers. But there has to be a room at, in somewhere secret, some severance like underground room where a team is thinking, you know what, why don't we just wipe everybody out? You know, in five years, 10 years from now, like what are those, you know, for, for the meta search sites, I mean, they're going to just going to wipe them off the map, right? I think so. I mean, I think meta's dead. Uh, Google is meta. And what, what can meta search like kayak and TripAdvisor? Honestly, what can they do that Google doesn't? All the companies we talked about on the hotel side, OTA side, search side, at no point did any of them face an existential crisis. Even during COVID, you know, Hilton wasn't going to go under. Meta search sites, though, what do they offer? TripAdvisor? Well, they got reviews, world-class reputation for great reviews. Well, so is Google. 
uh, price comparisons that take you to a transaction site to go actually make your booking. So does Google. Uh, I think that's why TripAdvisor launched TripAdvisor Plus last year to much fanfare, but it was pretty much, in my opinion, that was a Hail Mary. They needed cash to get through COVID. They were afraid Google can do everything they can do a bit better. And so they tried to create a membership program that was doomed to fail from the start because no party in the industry was going to yield ground to them. So big brands were never going to give the kind of price discounts to TripAdvisor Plus or the extra perks to their booking members that were better than Honors or Bonvoy or World Hyatt. Right? The brands were never going to do that and watch their hundreds of millions of loyal customers just go flooding over to TripAdvisor Plus. That was never going to happen. Uh, so a, a pretty silly Hail Mary. They were throwing, you know, <laughs> they, were, they were throwing a 50-yard bomb with one receiver and seven DBs waiting in the back. They had no chance. But I think you only throw that pass if you really feel like the game is almost over. Travel clairvoyant Ryan Melker was on uh, our show a couple of weeks ago, and he adroitly mentioned that it's only a matter of time before Airbnb starts listing hotel rooms. I'm kind of shocked that they haven't so far. What do you think has stopped them from from doing that? Uh, The hotel companies themselves. I think that's probably the only thing that stands between them doing it and not doing it. Uh, Once one hotel brand, though, puts their inventory on Airbnb, it could be a rapid slide for everybody, right? Imagine if IHG put Kimpton Hotels on Airbnb. How long would it be before all of Kimpton's competing lifestyle brands start feeling all that market share decline and demand that their parent companies allow them to do the same thing? And the owners of those hotels competing with the Kimpton go to the brands and say, hey, we need our money make it happen. In a weird way, this is how OTAs and the hotel brands are now aligned to kind of come full circle on that, right? Expedia bought VRBO to compete in the home sharing world with Airbnb. Booking created its own home sharing platform. Marriott created homes and villas. Uh, preserving the hotel experience as something different from you know, separating lodging, which is just a place to go lay your head at night, which is kind of the Airbnb approach, into an experiential hotel. Uh, I think that OTAs and hotel brand companies are trying to own that narrative and really bifurcate that way of booking in a traveler's mind. I just need a commoditized place to lay my head, or I really want to go have an experience where there is a spa and room service and someone calls me and checks in, does everything. The service isn't there for an Airbnb. Right. It also presumes the idea that that Airbnb is going to be around in its current form 10 years from now. I mean, you know, as we talk about this, doesn't make a little sense that somebody like a Google or an Amazon would just come in and pay a check for Airbnb on all of its properties and just buy it outright. And now it's part of that. Now it's part of that family. I mean, I think if, if anybody wanted to do it, they could have two years ago. As COVID stopped travel, uh, Airbnb paid pretty dearly during those early days when they raised billions and gave up a huge percent of ownership in the company to investors. Uh, They even ultimately delayed the IPO because of it. Uh, Hotel companies, they had to raise similar sums of cash, but they used the cash to mitigate operational costs and salaries and pay severances for the legions of people that had to get laid off. Meanwhile, not to mention the silly marketing campaigns about cleanliness when nobody was traveling anyway, they wasted some money on that. But while hotel brands were doing that stuff, Airbnb used the cash to gain a bigger slice of the travel pie. And so now we're back to where tech culture meets hospitality culture, right? Right where we started. 
not to mention, it's not like Airbnb is this beloved brand in and of itself. You know, it, it's become shorthand for vacation rental search. Sorry, VRBO. Everybody uses it. it it's, a, it's, a, it's a useful tool, but it's not like we love it. There are now endless fees around your stay. Sometimes these fees are, you know, between the cleaning and the, you know, whatever words they want to kind of assign to it. These could be 20, 30% more than your, your sticker value of, of what you're signing up for. There's a, a growing influence of property companies that have taken over Airbnb. So you're not just supporting, you know, moms and pops across the country. Uh, owning owning their houses and kind of letting it out just to make a little side cash. That's way less of a piece of the pie than than I think people think it is. I think when you have a brand that no one really loves, but everybody uses, that is an excuse for change. Now, now Matt, I'm going to mix this up just because we talked about the Brown Hotel so many times. Sure. The hypothetical B&B that you are someday going to open. Yep. But here's your question of the week. Do you know where the Brown Hotel is? Okay, let me think about this. If I had to start a little hotel somewhere, I would probably start it somewhere around Death Valley. I love Death Valley. I love a little town right next to it called Beatty. Um, I think I could provide something really cool there. I remember I went through this probably 15 years ago now. went through, there was a really cool little hotel called the Atomic Inn uh, that had kind of a space theme. And I, I love that little place. So if if that if the owners of that place want to sell me that property, I'd, I'd be uh, I'd be all all ears. I feel like there'd be money to be made, and there'd be a need uh, that that could be met. And yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Where, just out of curiosity, where would you do it? Well, the question was not where would you put the Brown Hotel. The question is where is the Brown Hotel? And so actually, where you will not put it is Louisville, Kentucky, because the Brown Hotel is a phenomenal landmark in that city. Built in 1923, uh, just a gorgeous, reminds me of my first hotel, the Mayflower in Washington, D.C. Very similar gold leaf, big column, just the Grand Dame of Louisville. There you have it, folks. And you can do the Bourbon Trail and you can hit Mammoth Cave National Park. Jeff, as always, it's been amazing. And I will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you very much. Great time.